The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. As as the uh, as the whole show intro comes to, I'm gonna fidget with this mic now that I'm now that we're live. I feel of like, course, that's yeah. when you well, that's when you adjust the microphone is when you're talking into it. Yes, <laughs> that's a lot noisier than I expected. The bottom uh, wet. That's usually when I hear those popping noises is when, like, water gets on the little burner thing on the bottom of the... <clears throat> might, have, might have a little down there. Yeah. So not, I, too, not too much, though. I would speculate that's what's causing the noise. Coffee's going in, though. I know. Yeah. There's probably water, though, on the, yeah. the plate that it, keeps the coffee warm. Fair enough. Snap, crackle, and pop. That's a good way to start the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying something new today. Last week we tried, or maybe the last two weeks, we've tried running through the uh, the 160 um, yep. stereo compressor, right? I put it into stereo couple mode because I use the same settings on both our voices anyway. Okay. And, but now when it's deciding to compress your voice, so it will compress mine. And when it decides to compress my voice, it's also compressing yours. Uh, and so in theory... It should act as like almost a gate. Kind of, right? You know, That's interesting. Right? Well, it, 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 was, it was something that when I, when I recorded my first podcast with, um, with a guest, and this is like many, many years ago, I realized that every time I would compress one person you'd hear more of the ambience because we weren't in a nice space. It was just a, just like a bedroom, right? right? Not even a bedroom. It was a kitchen. And so you'd hear a lot of the ambience through the other mics. And so I decided that, well, instead of individual compressors, it's really just best to go through a bus compressor. And so that's, that's what I ended up doing is I, I would, I would just mix the that tracks. Sounds like a really lazy way to get around gating the tracks yeah but it, but it, it it wasn't about gating the tracks it was about it was about reducing the ambience noise yeah. for the loudest source rather than you know squashing this and squashing that yeah um she makes dolphin noises when she's sad and she probably she didn't want to pee now she's stuck in her pen now i look like the asshole oh <laughs> I've never heard your dog make those noises. <laughs> she used to make them a lot. Okay. Yeah. She'll settle in a minute and lay back down, nap some. Then after the podcast, I'll take her out again. All right. 
Yeah. But no, it, it, it's, it's the practical way of doing it for, um, that's the way they do it in radio stations. They, um, they have all the mics. Well, I'm not arguing the effectiveness. Right. It's just something I've never thought of doing. It so makes not, a lot of sense. It's not lazy. It's it efficient. Way. Yeah, it is efficient. <laughs> Sounds like something that like came about from the analog days of like, mm-hmm. I only have a finite amount of equipment. Yeah. How do I get the most out of the gear? Well, but it's, it's more about, it's more about controlling the final product, right? Oh yeah. You know, like, like when I yell really loud and your mic doesn't compress, my voice suddenly sounds more ambient. Yeah. Right. Because it's It's, picking up the reflections through your mic. No, it's a cool idea. I've just never thought of it. Hmm. I've, I've been, or heard of it before. I've been trying to achieve that with all the digital processing that I was doing anyway. Okay. Um, so it was, it was, it was something that's always been on my mind anyway, but yeah, usually my go-to for that is just put an expander on it. Yeah. Which is, which is fair. If, if, um, if it's nice and consistent sources. Yeah. Right. But no, the, the like you and I compressor are makes consistent. sense. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, we're, uh, um, I sat down with, with someone Saturday night and worked through all of the, all of the ideas for decoupling the potential expansion upstairs from the studio on the main floor here. Right. And most of it was a nightmare. Most of it is not even going to come close to being what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's we we've decided that the the structure of the second floor is so poorly built and poorly um, uh, put together, like it poorly designed, right? That the whole structure moves enough that every bit of noise, every bit of anything physically transfers down through it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you can't do like a thing where you're like, we had a mat or like a really thick foam or something like that. We had eight inches of, of, um, of a thick foam. And that was, that was, that was the point where we stopped feeling safe. <laughs> eight inches is a lot. Eight inches. And that, and, and we were still, we still had, we still had something that my ear could hear standing in the room, just walking normally. Not even, not even someone with a heavy foot walking Ooh. on. Now, now our, our design was this, maybe it wasn't eight inches, maybe it was seven inches, but thereabouts. It was thick. It was thick. And it was, it was spongy enough that there would be plenty of give. Mm-hmm. And then we had a sheet of just a, just a, cause we're just doing tests, right? We yeah. just had a sheet of plywood on top of that. Right. But it was a big enough. It was, I think it was a four by four, four foot by four foot, um, sheet of plywood on, on this foam. And that should have been enough to properly weight distribute things. And, and it would get better as we actually built the flooring that I, that I'm going to build anyway. Uh-huh. 
noisy fucking coffee maker. <laughs> I should have had coffee ready for you before you got here. That's what I should have done. <laughs> or, you know what you should have done? You should have texted me in advance and said, hey. I want coffee. Yeah, make sure there's coffee today because I'm not stopping for it. <laughs> anyway, so. I did stop for coffee. I just, I want more coffee. And I, right. I don't know. I'm used to you having coffee ready when. And I I'm used here. to you showing up with coffee. So this morning I said to myself, I don't really need coffee. I'm just not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so back to the upstairs. Um, even, even just walking around on this plank or on, on this piece of wood mm-hmm. on top of this seven inches of foam and the foam, like, like I said, it was, it was spongy enough that it would absorb the impact. It's still, you could still hear it. And there was still, you know, there was still enough. Are you just putting foam on top of one another. We didn't, um, we tried that, but we also tried, um, we also tried an actual, an actual thick piece of like, like solid foam itself. Okay. Um, what about doing like, a layer of foam and then maybe plywood with a layer of foam on top because like different yeah. thing. You tried that too? We didn't go that far. No. Oh. Um, but that's, that's ultimately what I, what I think we're going to, we're going to end up doing is yeah. the foam that I'm going to use because it's cheaper and a little more efficient. We're going to, we're going to double or triple stack it on the base layer. Then um, laminated plywood and then another layer of foam and then laminated plywood, and then, and then our flooring, rug or, okay, hardwood, right? Right. So that'll be that'll be the design, and that'll decouple enough, I hope. But we've we've come to the conclusion that that we can't we can't decouple perfectly, which mm-hmm. means that there's always going to be some always going to be some sort of compromise. And so the conversation instead of instead of going to how do we make upstairs work? It went to what sort of compromises are we willing to accept to make upstairs work? You know, like what is, what is, what is a compromise that's going to be bad for business versus what kind of compromise can be easy enough to not interfere with business. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's, uh, that's what we came to. And, um, now we just have to go through the budgeting process and, and, uh, cause we have to, we have to now physically build it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It looks like it'll be, it'll be, um, it'll be like a mix slash podcast studio up there is the idea. Right. Yeah. I remember you telling me that it yeah. was going to be like a mix slash podcast room. Yeah. And then I'm going to get, I'm going to get a, uh, I'm going to get a, Four channel compressor, stereo linkable. Maybe I'll get what I'd really like. I just want to have the podcasting thing set up permanently, mm-hmm. so we can just really like load up a template, arm the tracks, and go. Right, and it that shouldn't way, be too difficult. Yeah, yeah, it should be pretty easy. I more or less have the infrastructure upstairs to do it anyway, and extra gear that we're not using in the studio, so. Yeah. Should be easy enough. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks to hear about the floor though. Yeah. Well, and, and th- that was kind of always my suspicion. That's been the thing that, 
that all winter long and all fall when it was it was on the table um i knew that was going to be the biggest issue right was how do we decouple the floor number 1 number 2 how do we prevent low frequency music or audio traveling through yeah, and possibly bleeding into microphones if there's a recording session going on. Well, and 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 we know now that that it's not just possible; it's it's definite, inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is here's here's the compromises we've decided are likely to be acceptable. And of course, you know, got to think on them for a while. But yeah, um, if if the recording rooms down here on the main floor aren't being used, then that room up there should be free and clear. Okay. There'd be no worries. Um, if there is recording or tracking or something of sufficient noise level, then so it should be, be fine. should be no problem. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's, you know, rock band, um, anything equivalent or louder, right? Yeah. Louder, louder bands, essentially. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing like dubs, like singing dubs and stuff like that, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Vocal over dubs would probably be out of the question. Um, and, and because, because of the, the design of that second floor, because of the, uh, the way it weight transfers, it affects all three rooms, all three recording rooms. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There isn't a, like every single room you can you can hear it. it. Sucks. Yeah, yeah. Even just, even just walking, like walking around upstairs, like me tiptoeing around with just my socked feet, you could still hear it just a little bit. Now tiptoeing around in socked feet on the the heavy layers of foam was no problem, but. Um, but actual steps and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Which means it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. That just means it, as that gets used, you have to make sure not to book like dubbing sessions at the same time. Well, and, that, and, and that's, that's the thing we talked about was, was cause it's a, it's a potential partner that I'm looking at partnering with that, Oh, you, you found a partner maybe potential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looks like it'll be more of like a, like a, like a studio rental type of deal rather than, uh, a business partnership. Um, that should still cut costs. Yeah. yeah it'll, it'll cut costs enough. Um, and between, between the two of us, we're looking at, we're looking at potentially having the studio booked, um, 60, 60 hours a week, um, invoiced 60 hours a week. Okay. Um, and we don't keep, we don't keep terribly similar schedules. So there's even less likely for the crossover. Um, and the idea is when one of us is using the tracking rooms or the mix room, then the other one's upstairs and they can still keep working on whatever editing or mixing or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then and then of course the um, the those those few times where where something quiet is going on down here, then there's the understanding that the main floor takes precedent, and that upstairs room is always at risk of interrupting the yeah the or main floor. or or having to stop so that we can continue down here. That makes sense. Yeah. I think we figured out the ventilation problem too. Um, uh, another um, gentleman, gentleman came by, this is a consultant a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about ventilation issues and heating issues and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, his actual suggestion was, I have those old air conditioner, like mobile air conditioner units, portable heaters, uh, portable air conditioners. Huh? Yeah. Like cool air type of thing. Okay. Um, and we, we were able to identify, um, a ventilation pipe attached to the furnace that with, uh, enough ease and a little know-how we could pipe in a Y channel into that, um, into that ventilation pipe and exhaust the, uh, the air conditioner right out the, um, right out that door. And then of course it's noisy when it's on, but it doesn't need to be on a ton can help reduce the heat on that second floor. Okay. And therefore, provide a little more cool air to to draw into the um, the sealed second room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the idea, anyway. Okay, that's I don't know interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he also said he also said based on a lot of the other variables, it might just be better to shut down and move. <laughs> Or not not shut down, but to move. Right. Yeah. Which you don't have the money to do. I don't have the money to do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in days like these that, that, um, <laughs> even though I'm still glad I'm in what I'm, I'm in, I just wish someone else would take care of the problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I have been shopping around for um, studio insurance again. Um, I, I got my my renewal uh, with my old company takes place tomorrow. Okay. And so you're just looking at prices to see if there's better deals. Well, but that's the thing is I mostly I had a meeting with them a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, to to ask a bunch of questions to make sure that I'm actually covered for the things that I think I should be covered for. Right. And I'm not at all covered for the things that I think I'm that I think I'm covered for. Um, I I had five six years ago seven years ago when I started the studio, I had specifically asked for glass coverage because of the windows inside. Mm-hmm. I specifically mentioned the windows inside. 
And so they gave me glass coverage, window coverage, except now that I've had it explained to me, because I can't understand insurance documents for the most part. They're right. well, so confusing. They use wording that purposely yeah. confuses people. Um, I sat down with one of the girls at the brokerage firm and that I, I need to understand this and I need to understand this. The windows, as it turns out, there's zero coverage for anything indoors. The only coverage for windows is outdoors. Great. And I don't have to pay for that. I don't have to be covered for that because the condo board and my landlord, those are the people that are on the hook for the outside windows. So I've been paying for that for seven years when I absolutely don't need it. Oh, so you're probably upset and told them like I specifically said indoor windows. I did. I did. And, and in fairness, the, the lady that sold it to me, she thought she was selling me okay. indoor, indoor coverage. Okay. And we, right. Totally fair. Um, but I'm upset to find out that I don't. Um, yeah. I also don't have the data recovery insurance that I thought I did. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have data recovery insurance for rebuilding accounting records, but not other data, but not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing according to, so I, I anyway, so there, there was, there was a laundry list of these, these kind of things. Like I'm paying for, I'm paying for insurance for a car, um, if I hire a car to do something for me, what? And I, I know like, like there's, there's a laundry list of things on there that serve me no purpose whatsoever. And that I don't need even in the slightest, as it turns out, I've been paying approximately five or $600 more per year than you should have been than I needed to be Ugh. or based on, based on the coverage that was actually applicable to me. And I, and I mean, you remember in 20, it was at 2013 or it was 2014 when I got hit, um, they shut off my air conditioner. Oh yeah. Right. And I had, I don't know, close to $10,000 worth of, worth of equipment damage and business loss. Yeah. Anyway, um, they wouldn't cover me for that because those kind of things, they don't cover the contractor should have covered and the contractor, you know, it was like, well, like, that it's not contractor our contractor you know, was, yeah, that contractor of itself. Um, so anyway, I've finally been, I've finally been looking for studio specific insurance. And the first quote, the first quote I got for studio specific insurance was a lot more money. And I think I, I think I was misquoted somehow, but I found this um, studiopolicy.ca. Mm -hmm. It's a website um, by the uh, like Stuart Ashmore or something like that. Doesn't matter. Um, some company that specializes in multimedia insurance, and so they have they have um, film insurance and, oh, okay. and film studio insurance and. Yeah. But they also have recording studio specific insurance. You're thinking of moving to that? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm moving over there starting, um, starting tomorrow, but it'll, it'll save me four or $500 a year. 
Because you're not paying for things no, that you don't need. Exactly. I get I get a little more coverage than I had before. I get covered for specific things like the windows. Um, I get covered for things like not able to work for some reason. Um, I don't get data recovered, data coverage, data recovery okay. coverage. Apparently that's a, that's a project by project thing. Oh. Mostly, mostly films, um, do it. Um, although you could always invest in one of those like cloud services. Yeah. Yeah. And then... I think, I think that's, I think that's the way, that's the way I'm going to go. The trouble is it, um, the, that means I have to leave the computers on overnight, which is not a big deal. Um, for them to sync up to the cloud or whatever, but for them always to be synced up because oh, okay. they, they can't be, they can't be syncing on the fly. Okay. I think I understand that. Yeah. Um, and so it would be like, it would be like an end of the night thing. You know, the night's done Hit the backup button and it syncs up the day's work. Right. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense, and 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 that would give us that would give us four hard drives worth of redundancy, for yeah, every, for every project, right? Um, which is not a big deal, but yeah. But there, then again, that that's going to be that's going to be, I don't know, another four hundred dollars a year. Well, that money that you were saving gives you that yep. redundancy. Yeah. So there's that. But it feels good to have gone through that. Um, Studiopolicy.ca. I know there's a bunch down in the States that do similar things, but it was good to find um, good to find a company in Canada that does that does specifically what was looking for. What I was looking for? <sighs> Needing a coffee. You want a coffee? There's coffee right there. Okay. You want uh did you uh, come up with ideas? These uh, tasks that I've been that I've been giving you that you knew because Mary being around the last week, it's been a lot of tending to her needs. <laughs> Haven't you like gone to your job, your day job? Oh, I've gone to my job, which has been interesting because we've been dealing with inventory. Okay. Yeah. What's going on? Uh, it's for the most part it's done now, but like every year in February, um, uh, we count everything that's in the store, and that's a big headache every year because it's pretty much you work. I think it was on a Saturday last year as well. It's like the last Saturday of February. We um. We work the normal shift till six and then there's usually, well, there always is food that is brought over. We have food for like an hour, whatever. And then we break off into teams of two and count literally everything in the store. And, uh, yeah, that was this most recent Saturday. That's what I did. I remember us talking about this last year. Was this one any better than last year? 
I got out a hell of a lot earlier this year. How so? Um, because I work uh, as uh, the Sunday crew, um, the store manager was purposely trying to make it so that those people who had to be in on Sunday got to go early. So all I had to do was count my department, and then I, I was done. So at 9 o'clock, I was done. But me and Liam, we, we, we counted a pretty big chunk of rentals. Dylan and Sean Jones, they, were, they got the more complicated side of rentals. Like, there's not a whole lot of recording equipment, but because it's, like, small pieces, it's a pain. Right. And it took me, like, two weeks to tag everything so that would be easier to count. If there are discrepancies, you guys have to figure them out then? Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, that was always my favorite part of, of inventory was was figuring out, okay, we're short by... 30% on this particular item, where the hell did it go? Uh, I don't know if, well, th- that definitely happens, but we also get like, this item exists here and it also exists here. Who actually has it? Like if it has a serial number. Oh, you mean like what department? Yeah. Well, like renting and stuff, like sometimes items get, duplicated in our system and so like there might be a rental with a serial number but the actual serial number item is at a different store Um, then you have to like be like okay well i have it we don't know what that one is as soon as it's returned it's usually like leaving a note on the rental will be like as soon as this is returned correct the serial number because those things are pretty easy to find. Right. Uh, other times it's like, you had this item last year and it hasn't sold according to our system. Where is it? Because you didn't count it. <laughs> Went home in someone's pocket. Oh man, that actually happened uh, recently-ish. Someone got caught stealing? Well, people get caught stealing, but like, there is a high value DJ controller that got stolen or just disappeared. Nobody knows where it is. And it's like $2,500 or something ridiculous like that. (laughs) That's awesome. And we were getting people who were like going on our website and being like, Oh, the, the computer said that it's in. It's like, just because it says it's in doesn't mean it's here. Give us a call people. Well, and, and, and you would think, you would think by the age of 20 in our consumer society, people would have already gotten to the point of understanding just because the website says it's there or that the computer says it's there doesn't mean, doesn't it's, mean there. it's actually there. You gotta, you actually have to have someone. Although with something like that, verified. usually if it says we have one of that high value item we usually do actually have it uh, yeah and it's only in cases where something weird happens that we don't actually have it right like other times you know somebody might have typed it in the system as the wrong 
serial number by or the wrong model number by like a letter or something. Sure. So then, you know, maybe I have a, a synth module, but somebody typed it out as the wrong model number. And then oh, yeah. now I have a synth keyboard. Same model number, but just the version of it that has keys on it. And then I have to like look for that and then realize, oh, somebody screwed up. It's supposed to be the module. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happened to me a couple of weeks ago, actually, where somebody was looking for a very specific synthesizer and I couldn't find it, but I could find the module. Yeah. And you realize that's the one we're supposed to have. Huh. Yeah. 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 That's fair. I don't miss inventory, though. Don't miss it at all. Yeah. Although, I don't mind. Are you guys, are you guys doing paper inventory now? Like, um, like they print out huge books of paper w- with items and no, no, it's all on the computer. Okay, yes, yeah, because we keep track of our inventory throughout the year in the computer system, yeah. right? So it's pretty much we get computers and we scan um, barcodes, right. and then we'll say how much of them do we have. All the inventories I've ever done, they were like booklets, like pages of pages of of printouts that says this is how much you have and we have to because we didn't have computers to carry around with us yeah no this is like we count what we have and then we get audited and then i don't know it's probably some kind of automated system where it's like these things should exist here but they don't mm-hmm. send it to the store managers and then the store managers separate those lists into the the departments that they should belong into rentals usually being the biggest one at least from my memory it it was last year you guys count cables even right oh hell no oh no that all right (laughs) someone else can count the cables uh if that was the case i uh, during um inventory we would probably like blow out cables like be like you want cables? A dollar a piece. I'd show up, even if I just had to fix them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have like a dollar bin for power cables currently. Yeah, that's because everybody has too many power cables. Yeah. I have a box upstairs of power cables that... Well, we we occasionally get items and it's like way too short of power cables. Like not even an arm span. It's just like we can't use that in rentals. That's doesn't make sense to have a two foot right. power cable. I would love to have shorter cables oh, in a studio setting. It's awesome. But you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I do a lot of live stuff at work. So it's yeah. The 25 we... foot power cables are our favorites. <laughs> My live rig always had, we always had, like, we built our own, basically built our own um, uh, extension cables, right? Where we would literally have, you know, plug on one end, 30 to 100 feet of cable, and then a quad box or a plate with eight on them. Okay. Right? And so we'd build those. So we'd we'd always make sure that we just had, if we were running to powered gear, like an amp, we, Back in those days, we didn't ever have powered monitors um, or powered speakers, but 
uh, we'd always make sure we have enough, a long enough cable to get from whatever's in the rack down to the floor. And that was it. As long as we had that, we were good. Right. Yeah. Cause we'd always have, we'd always either have like an internal rack mounted, um, uh, power bar, power bar. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or we'd have, we'd have one of these, one of these boxes on the floor and I would, I would literally go to shows with, with, we had trunks the size of that couch. This is a big Probably couch. a little bigger. Pardon? This is a big couch. Yeah. That stood on wheels, you know, like six inch wheels that stood three feet tall and we would have them filled with. That pretty cable. much sounds like a, a mixing board case, like a 24 actually, or 32 channel board. It was actually case. an old, it was actually an old, um, uh, four parkan light box. So it would fit two bars of four parkans. Okay. Fit, yeah. Um, and we had one that we had filled with parkans and we had another that was filled with cables. And at least half of them were, were the power cables, the, or the, um, the extension cords that we made ourselves. Huh. Yeah. Now, of course we'd, I mean, we'd have to provide power for the musicians too. Right. So, so we'd have power cables run all over the place, you know, a couple behind the drummer, um, one on each, one in each corner, back corner of this, excuse me, goodness. One of the, each back corner of the stage for, uh, for amps. Mm-hmm. And then, then wherever, however many people were across the front, we'd have, We'd have power across the front for for pedals and stuff. Yeah, it was a it was a big it was a big rig. I mean, we couldn't fit it in a van. We had a we had a three ton. We had converted a three ton refrigeration truck into your yeah your. Uh... I don't want to say backline because it's not backline. Uh, into the PA. Yeah. The PA truck. PA truck. Yeah, man. Top speed of 90 kilometers an hour downhill. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. Um, it had just enough of a heater to keep the windshield from frosting up, um, but it had rust holes in the floor. Oh, great. Um, so there, there was no such thing as keeping it warm. Um, we had blankets inside to drape over us as we're driving. Yeah. Um, and the goofiness thing about it, no radio, no radio. So that would suck if you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah. If you didn't, uh, this is, this is of course before the iPod. Right. And so I had at one point, I tried to, I think I only did it once. I tried to bring my Discman right. with me that didn't have great um, skip protection. Ugh. Yeah. And, and so I'd, 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 you know, I'd get five seconds through a song before it'd skip and then, and then it would rebuffer and I'd get another 10 seconds and it would skip and rebuffer because the truck was really, really bouncy. 1976, I think. Oh man. Yeah. It was wonderful. Sounds like it. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we got, I got pulled over by, um, got pulled over by like, uh, um, what are those, those, they're not, they're not cops, but they're RCMP. I wouldn't Those are basically cops. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, highway, they're not highway patrolmen, but they're, they, the guys on the highway, guys and girls on the highway that monitor the safety and maintenance of like bigger vehicles. Um, Oh, I'm not entirely sure. Anyway. So they're, they're, one of their main jobs is to, is to inspect, um, inspect big trucks. Okay. Right. We get pulled over once for driving by one of these inspection depots and they're, they're around a lot of towns on highways. Right. Um, but, in, and you're supposed to way stations. That's what they are. You're supposed to pull into the, to way stations. Oh, you know what? It was at a way station. That's what it was. We pull, we're, we're about to pull into white court, stop at the way station, get weighed. Um, because the truck looks beat to hell, we get pulled over for an inspection. So we, you know, kind of like getting pulled out of the line at the airport. Right. We go off to a, to a side area and this mechanic looking dude comes out and, and crawls around underneath the, underneath the truck and opens up the hood and, and says, this is no good. And this is no good. And this is no good. Um, this truck can't run. (laughs) I know. I know. Like, like what the hell do you do? I need to get into white court to set up for a show. And it's like nine in the morning. I need to have the show set up by one so that, so that when the band shows up, they can load in and do their thing. Right. Right. Anyway. So I argue with the guy for 15 minutes and, and, uh, a guy in a, in a uniform comes out and, and the three of us are, I mean, it didn't get really heated. It was more like a, like, I, I, I need to get in there, man. Can you got to let me in anyway? So, so they gave us permission to drive into town to the exact hotel that, um, that had the bar in it that we were setting up in. Right. And that was as far as we, we could go. If they saw us, if they saw us anywhere else with that vehicle, they would arrest us. That was the deal. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, so my, my boss happened to be the sound guy for that show and he was on tour with whatever, whatever Whatever band you were setting up for. And luckily enough, their next, their next show was in Edmonton and that's, you know, I didn't have a next show the next night, but I, me being a, like a 20 year old kid or something, 19 year old kid. I didn't want to get arrested. Just right. didn't want to get arrested. And so I, I tell my boss like, okay, so this is what happened. Here's the, here's the quick write up of the report that, that, that I got. And I'm not driving this thing back. Like I, I'm not, I, I'm not, it's not worth getting arrested for. <laughs> and so he swears at me and yells up and down one side and up and down the other side. And then at the end of the show, he says, I'm fucking driving the thing back. <laughs> And I mean, I'm clueless when it comes to vehicles, right? Like right. I know when they don't work and I know when there's something that's obviously wrong, but I'd been driving this truck for a year and a half and I don't know, it always seemed like a piece of shit to me. So if something was going wrong, I probably didn't notice. You know? Anyway, 
he climbs in and starts turning the steering wheel and he says, what the fuck? This thing's so loose. It's going to fall off. <laughs> and, and, and anyway, so I, I guess he, he noticed right away that there's a handful of problems that need to be taken care of right away. And anyway, into the truck we go and drive back to Edmonton and gives me instructions to take it to this mechanic. He'll fix it. And they'll send me the bill. Him. They'll send him the bill. Right. Yeah. But that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I had no clue. I had no clue. There were apparently something wrong with with ball bearings in the steering wheel or the, the steering Calm. mechanism, and uh, and it was just making the making the truck unreliable steering wise. Seemed fine to me. You're probably used to it. I was probably used to it, but I but I do remember I was able to do I was able to do a pretty wide swing on the steering wheel without the wheels turning at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not a good thing. Uh, you know what? It, it was probably something that just gradually got worse over the year that I was driving it, right? I don't know. Messed up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it got fixed and you're just like, oh my God, it's night and day. Well, I, I, I'm not sure I noticed. <laughs> I'm really not sure I noticed. <laughs> I might have had I might have had like a like a day of of um of adjustment maybe I just don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so I've been doing something new around the studio. Have you? Um I know you're not very excited. You're faking your excitement and you're doing really good at it. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> I work in retail. <laughs> I'm getting used to faking my emotions. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm getting used to being like, oh, that's awesome. When I haven't even listened to what I do as that I was told. <laughs> Let me tell you this big, long 15 minute story of a thing that has no relevance to what I'm buying today. Oh, that's cool. Great. Right on. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> do you want this thing yet? <laughs> I had a shaman in here yesterday. Did you? Like a ver verifiable um uh shaman it was pretty cool i mean if if you're not into the quote unquote hippy dippy natural healing kind of thing then he's you know he probably seems like a kook but well, um, all those people seem like kooks to me but i still find them interesting well what he did was he he played his um, his journey drum. I guess he's got a handful of different drums, and he does shamanic drumming. Okay. And what he did was played his drum into the microphone for almost forty five minutes straight. And he apparently, if I was really paying attention, like really let myself go, apparently. He, his his drumming, what he performed, would take me through a journey with my spirit animal. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a really nice guy, and he'd been doing it uh, a long time, and he'd been, according to him, he'd been flown all across North America to do this for people. Down to Mexico and into Cuba a few times. Right. And over to Europe a couple times as well. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, people are going to pay for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that's. I not- mean, it's not the worst thing out there, like in terms of people charging money for weird spiritual things. That's pretty tame, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, he had the weirdest thing about it for me though was I wasn't. I did my best to make the drum sounded like it did in the room. Right. But it, it didn't sound like it did in the room. Cause it's, it's a recording. Yeah. You know, and it was a big drum. It was, it was probably, it was close to a meter tall. Okay. You know, almost three feet across. It was a big drum. And he played it with a little animal skin mallet. Um, but it was really hard to capture a lot of the nuances of the of the drum, uh, including like the overwhelming low end that in a room filled up the room nicely, but tends to overload a microphone. Oh, right? uh, anyway, yeah. so I did my best to to position the microphone, uh, you know, nicely. Um, uh, controlled the low end so it didn't get out of hand, but still sounded sounded big and, and, and overwhelming mm-hmm. without feeling like it's overwhelming. You know, I don't know. Maybe I did the wrong thing, but I don't know. Sounds, and, I don't know. The brief description so, makes me think that you should just put mics everywhere. Well, and, and in hindsight, if I, if he had the time for me to go through that process, I definitely would have set up, I definitely would have set up like an ORTF um, stereo pair of omnidirectional microphones and sat them in front of him, you know, three, four feet in front of him as though he would be in his, in his, um, in, in his space or in his performance. Right. Right. But I didn't do that. But it turned out all right. I, I think it turned out okay. Did the shaman think it turned out okay? He didn't want to listen to it. Oh, because he would go on a journey with his spirit animal? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. But I asked him, I asked him um, uh, when he finished, I made the comment, um, okay, uh, come on in and give it a listen. Let me know if it's, let me know if it's okay. And, and, and he says, he says, no, I don't want to listen to it. It's, uh, I trust you. Those words always make me nervous as hell, especially when I don't know the, like I met this guy an hour earlier and he trusts me. Like, I don't even know what he wants yet. (laughs) Anyway. So then he comes in, he comes into the room here and he's more interested in, in finding a place to make copies than he is to listen to it. And again, I offer him, do you want to take a quick listen? Maybe just listen to a few minutes of it. Let me make sure that it's, that's right. And he says, no, I don't want to listen to it. I couldn't play that again. If I tried, my arm is tired. Okay. That's Fair enough. not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that you listen to it yeah. to see if it sounds how you want it to sound. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was not the thing that I wanted to talk about the new thing that I'm doing around the studio. What's the new thing that you're doing around the studio? So I started last Wednesday because I had a little bit of time to kill. Okay. And I realized that I hadn't actually done this in a few years. 
other than other than the live thing. Right. I haven't actually mixed 100% analog in a while. Right. And so I challenged myself. I'm going to try to every single day do an 100% analog mix and time myself. See how okay. fast I can do it. See how good I can make it sound. See, it. as it turns out, there's a couple of pieces in the rack over there that I don't know very well. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's been, it's been eye opening finding out all these, all these little intricacies of, of this console. Cause we haven't done, haven't done much, um, analog mixing on the console. We've done some live stuff on yeah. the console, but, um, but there's been a few things that you've and, added to the list of things that need to be fixed. And you know what? Well, actually not. No, I haven't run into any of those yet. Things are, things are all balancing properly. Um, things are actually in phase properly. Um, the console is connecting to all the gear properly. It's been really good. Um, there's some things missing. Like I don't, I don't have any of the group sends inserts. Why, uh, the, any of the group submix inserts wired. So the send returns for the, mm-hmm. for the group channels. Yeah. I don't have any of those wired. That's a pain. Right. I have to get that soon, but all the gears working, excuse me. I just burped into the microphone. That's terrible. Good radio. Um, it's been a lot of fun, very mind opening and makes me feel like I don't know how to mix again. Um, but I'm, I did a handful of mixes where I knew right away this mix isn't going to turn out really good because the performance sucks. <laughs> I did a, um, the first one I did was a rock band with, uh, basically just everything doubled. So there was the bass guitar, acoustic yep. guitar, drums, yep. and then everything else was doubled. The vocals were doubled. The harmonies were doubled. The electric guitars were all doubled. Um, and it was just like, sounds pretty bog standard for a lot of those. And, and the arrangement was pretty, was pretty not cool. You know, like, like doubled guitar in the chorus and then the guitars would disappear or sorry, double guitar in the verses. And then the guitars would disappear in the chorus. What? Yeah, I know. It was like, no. it was like there was missing tracks or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, so the arrangement, the arrangement was, was just kind of awful. That's and then, stupid. and then there was, then there was one, there was one section where, uh, a clean arpeggiated guitar was clearly out of tune. Oh, I didn't record this one. And so it was, um, uh, I'd like to think that I would have caught it, but I also wasn't allowing myself to go in and do edits. Oh, okay. Right. So I, I had to figure out how do I minimize that in the mix? Of course I just had to turn it down. Mute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But then when you mute it, then there's clearly even more of a hole in the arrangement. Yeah. So so then I get to then I get to the automation part. You know, I have the mix sounding pretty good. I got the drums sounding good. The vocals are blending nicely. Um things are sitting pretty good. Just needs, you know, riding the faders a little yeah. bit, right? And I like 
damn, if that didn't take me an hour to just pay attention long enough to not miss something or to not be late on something or to just get distracted. <laughs> like, fuck, my attention span is not there. It's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, it was I might good. have something like that later. I'm hoping either today or tomorrow. We have to do a... Well, no, I uh, a buddy of mine in BC sent me two songs for me to mix just for fun because he right. was showing me the uh, one song and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Nice. Here's your weak spots in your mix. But hey, can you mind sending me this stuff? Because I wouldn't mind just having something to play around with. So I'm going to look at those today probably. Nice. Uh, maybe sort out the rest of my shortcut keys, get things back to where I want them with right. Reaper. Sweet. And uh, then probably learn how to play bass for both of those songs. Because <laughs> there's, there's no bass in them? Oh, there's bass, but it's MIDI. And oh, yeah. no. <laughs> MIDI bass. Yeah. That's no. Uh, I refuse to. Any band that sends me a MIDI bass, I will go out of my way and learn the bass parts. And if it's too complicated, I will sample my bass. Can't you just um, like program it? Like reamp it through your Nord or something. What uh, what what keyboard did you, did you did you just I got, get? I got a SV one. SV. It looks like a Nord because it's bright red. Right. But it's a Korg. Can't you just um? Can't you just like reamp it through there? Like run the MIDI into there and use uh, that. Wouldn't that sound better? I could run the MIDI do you, into do you, that do you board. Sample your bass. Put it into the SV one, and then just run the MIDI into that. I could do that too. That sounds like that sounds like a cool project. Typically, though, if I'm like a lot of bass lines that I, I deal with, it's like I maybe have five notes. So all I do is just make the phrase and then copy paste. <laughs> all right. If you're, I have you're to even, do it that way, you're even you're even lazier than I am with that. Like, well, majority of the time, I will actually play the parts, and then I'll play the whole song okay. all the way through, and then okay. I'll edit some timing issues that I might've had. That's what I normally do. But if it's a complicated part right. that I can't play because it's like, I don't know, some weird wizardry going on with fingering <laughs> that I don't have any idea how any bass player could play. then it's like, okay, I'll just sample the notes, make that phrase. And then anywhere where that phrase is repeated, I'll just copy paste. I just had it in mind that, I'm sure this is out there somewhere. Some bass player has just tuned all his strings to a D. I've seen guitarists do something similar. There's a guitarist in uh, 12 Foot Ninja, I think is what the band is called. And he he has an eight string guitar and it's tuned to dad. <laughs> just D, A, and D. Yeah, but that's a, that's a common thing for tuning. Um, we could dive into the tuning thing for hours too. Probably. We need to be more prepared for these things. More organized. Possibly. But in the meantime, I guess, uh, see, see ya. ya. Follow our hosts on Twitter. <laughs>
at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.